Good evening, Canes fans. Welcome into the fifth episode of the Rod the Podcast. Tonight is off-season part four, and we aren't trying to save money. I'm your host, Jordan Betts, and tonight I'm maxing out the credit cards with my co-host, Michael May. How are we doing tonight, Mike? Doing great. Just a couple of big spenders here, you know, ready to go out and... Balling on a budget? Balling oh, wait, a budget. no budget, because we're not oh, trying yeah, to save well, money. We're not trying to, but, you know, you know how it is, like, it's appearance. Yeah, you know, when People I act think, like I got it. That's why I spray painted my credit card black. <laughs> Okay, um, so our, our plan this evening was actually to talk expansion draft. Uh, we had anticipated, you know, a pretty lively expansion with, you know, trades and moves and, you know, who was going to be, you know, selected from the Hurricanes roster. Um, we'll get to that. That is still on the docket for this evening. However, our, our plans totally shifted uh, when the news of the uh, Alex and Delkovich trade w- was made public. Um, Mike, give me a little instant reaction. It was out of left field for sure. Wasn't expected. You look at it up front originally and you're just like, the gut reaction is he is clearly not the guy to the organization. Yeah, I mean, things we got right. Two years, three million per. We were on the under the assumption, even with the recent news, and we haven't recorded in, what, 10 days or so, um, so within that 10 day period, rumors had come out that there was a disconnect between the hurricanes and, uh, Nadelkovich's camp. They were worried about going to arbitration. Even when we heard those rumors, I don't think we thought we'd ever get to this point in hearing that Carolina had offered low at 1.5 per, um, Ned's camp obviously wanted no part of that minimum 3.5 was their ask. Uh, clearly post trade, uh, Detroit was able to meet him in the middle a little bit, uh, settling on a two year, $3 million deal. I'm not saying he's the guy we weren't sold on him, but for a young man that had played as well as he had in limited action, I I think that's a great bet for Detroit and Stevie Y. Um, yeah, I mean, just weird, weird times here. And the rumor and the reason we titled this podcast or this episode of the podcast is we aren't trying to save any money is Don Waddell quickly came out right after and basically alluded to the fact that, Hey, appreciative for Ned, what he was able to do this season, but they didn't view him as the guy. So we got that part wrong. Cause we thought the team viewed him as the guy and we're willing to do a bridge deal with him. now. And, you know, alluding to the title of the episode, Don is saying they're on the search. And that means a veteran goalie with tangible NHL experience that can come in and be a true number one. Mike, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think he's being you know, transparent there? Um, because he's quoted as saying, this is a win now team and we need to bring in a number one that can augment this team to get it over the top. Or is this him playing the media a little bit knowing that they're in negotiations with Dougie Hamilton and understanding this might not look good uh, for those, you know, thinking that Carolina should be a Wendell team and you just let your perceived number one walk or you trade him away. I think it's a mixed bag when you really look at it. Um, I think what he's saying is true. I think it's fair from his perspective to say, look, the small sample size that we have available to us isn't 
justification for a two-year contract. Does that mean a two-year by $3 million or 3.5, which was the ask, is unreasonable? No, maybe not. But when you're trying to use every single bit of your cap space and you put, and it seems as if they definitely don't see him as a 1A, they maybe see him as a 1B, like the old Mrazic and Reimer tandem, the whole, that whole idea. They maybe see him as a guy that could be a 1B. I don't think they see him as the dude, and that is why they're not willing to pay him for that number. You know, for that role. Um, When I initially heard the trade, and I'm going to be fully transparent, I don't love it. I mean, the return, I know he's an RFA, but the return is meh. You know, Jonathan Bernier and a third. Um, However, the more I think about it, I, I get it. And, and when you were talking about it, to me, it's just more Don in the front office clearly believe this team can win. I think we agree with that. They weren't willing to risk next season and their cup aspirations on Ned having to be the 1A. And although $3 million is, is below market for a, a true one, if you're sinking $3 million into him you're not bringing in, you know, another, you know, strong pairing guy that has starting experience. You're, you're this just they're not going to heavily invest. It's organizationally they just never have. They're not going to spend, you know, three on Ned and three plus on another guy to be your tandem. If they're going to do it, hey, they might pay Frederick Anderson five plus. You know, they might trade for a John Gibson or one of the guys in Vegas uh, or Darcy Kemper or something along those lines a more established NHL veteran with proven, you know, one a upside that can carry, you know, put the team on the back and, and carry them uh, in this fairly friendly goalie system. Yeah. And like you kind of alluded to, you're taking a major risk on the potential that Nadelkovich has a slump or something like that. And it happens. I mean, it's, there's always a learning curve with goalies and you never know what could happen. And it's just a big risk for an organization that thinks we need to put ourselves in a position to win now to invest in a guy. And I'm not, I don't think two by three is investing in him as your starter, but it may be just enough to not get the guy you want. I just think it proves that they had another guy in mind and they were real, they were willing to run with him as one B if yeah. it was, yeah. I think their number was 2 million. Yeah. I think they went in at 1.5, hoping to get to 2 million. I think Nadelkovich's camp came in at 3.5 with the goal of getting three at a minimum. Right. And going to arbitration was not going to no. happen in Arbi- Carolina. Arbi- like that, that was a hard deadline for the Canes front office. They were never going to let it get to that point. No. And I think today verifies that. Like the fact he's traded today shows they had no interest ever getting to that, you know, point. Um, yeah, I, I, cause I think to your, you know, observation, if they get him at 1.5 or two, then he can be your B, you know, he's your yeah. one B and I think he's a perfect guy for that role. And you can have a 5 million one. Absolutely. Um, five and a half, whatever you want to spend. This is a great thing for Ned he ends up getting probably the terms he was at least parameter wise looking for. And he gets to go to Detroit young team, long way to go, but He's going to be given the leeway to be the number one there. I understand they still have Thomas Grice, but you know if you listen to Stevie Wise comments, you know post trade, which 
we can get into that too. But basically saying, hey, this is a guy that we thought was worth the quote unquote risk. The the terms were, you know, fairly easy for them to, you know, rationalize. And and a player that they believe could could probably be in their organization for a long time. I know that's the hope. And if he comes out and is the same guy or roughly the same guy, he'll he'll get another extension in a few years. And and then retroactively we'll go, that was a bad move by Carolina. Unless the guy they bring in to be their number one. And people are see, seeing Don Waddell's like veteran comment. That's not Jonathan Bernier. I mean, they might not even see it was just for his rights. They probably will not even sign him unless it's a cheap, he's your, you know, one B goalie. Yeah. We can speculate who they might bring in. Um, you want to go there? Or you want to talk about uh, Steve Eiserman's comments first? We can, yeah, we can touch on Eiserman's yeah, comments quick, I think. So he, he was posed this question um, Why did Carolina give up uh, a Calder finalist for, in this paraphrasing, what essentially amounts to nothing? And Stevie Y was just like, uh yeah uh, I don't know but we're good with it yeah he essentially said you'd have to ask them that <laughs> so which is a very true statement like I don't know why you'd ask Eiserman that um yeah it, it just the the deadpan kind of disbelief and we were joking about it before the episode it's it's almost like that guy in your your fantasy football league just sends out like random trades and like they're terrible offers and this one gets accepted and he's just like oh my god like someone accepted that deal yeah. and hey it it may work out i think we'll feel a lot better about this as soon as we have a little more clarity on who carolina is going to bring in yeah and, and so yeah let's just jump right into that who are the top targets in your mind are we thinking you know ufas you know frederick anderson type or are we anticipating them being pretty aggressive on the trade market and how does this affect their overall team build? Let's just kind of try to unpack this a little bit. So when I start to unpack it and you look at the free agent crop, it's like not overwhelming what's available. You already mentioned Anderson. He's a guy that hasn't been stellar lately, you know? So it depends on what the number is. I trust the Canes pro scouts and the analytic department to have good information. So I believe they have a short list and I'm sure that they're looking at guys that they think will come into Carolina and do better than what they've done previously. So dwelling on previous numbers might be lost. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't really seem to matter. I mean, call them reclamation projects or whatever you want, but like, Peter Morazic came in here and was considered a pretty ho-hum signing. No one was, like, hyped about that. And he played, you know, very well. Um, you know, I'm not going to say a, an elite number one, but they won a lot of games with him. Their, their backups have been outstanding. James Reimer, great buy low to get rid of the Scott Dyerling contract. Um, Curtis McElhinney, outstanding here. You know, gave you, you know, very good 1B and played some great playoff games for you uh, in 2018-2019. It just seems they are able to identify people that maybe fit within their system who are good by lows that they can get relatively cheap. Um, I think we'd both maybe love to see what they could do with, you know, good example of a guy that's on the market right now. Uh, the current Vesna winner, Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, I think it'd be great to speculate it, speculate about that. I'm just not sure if this current regime 
has any interest in spending six, seven million dollars on a goalie. No, I don't. I don't think they necessarily would want to spend that much. If Flurry is on the table, it might be at twenty five percent retained or something like that for it to match their budget restraints. Well, imagine if they pulled the deal on the or trigger oh, on that oh, deal yeah. last year. I mean, we might be talking something a little different. It was what fifty percent retained. Fifty retained picks, a and a round? second rounder. Yeah, oh, crazy. Could you Mark Andre Flurry on three point five, and oh, jeez, yeah, that would have been. Heartbreaking, you know, maybe maybe uh, Vassy isn't able to steal that series versus Tampa, but yeah, you know, can't be, uh, you know, high and so you know, Monday morning quarterbacks uh, revisiting, you know, things yeah. that didn't happen. We're focused on the future here on the podcast. Absolutely, I mean, you look at the free agent crop, and Tuka Rask has already come out and said he's not playing anywhere but Boston. So, I mean, I would think it is extremely, extremely unlikely for anything to develop on that front. Anderson has been a name linked to the Canes in the past. I could really see them kicking the tires on that one and seeing what the numbers look like. Yeah, he's coming off a five by five, right? Yep. I, I just think, and you know, maybe I'm, he's a big name, obviously played in Toronto. You know, he seems like the kind of guy that his, who stocks down, you know, didn't really live up to the contract. No. Tons of pressure to play in that market with the, you know, insane uh, expectations. He's maybe a guy that, you know, has established himself as a, you know, legit number one at times. Maybe he hasn't been consistent enough for that moniker. But the truth is, if they can get him to come here, his early 30s, got lots of hockey left in him on a deal under five or something like that. Um, over you know th- two to three years, I think you do that in a heartbeat, and you feel a lot more confident in the upside of that versus you know a Ned, who you know all, although we saw him be the best goalie in the AHL and win a Calder Trophy, they they, they turned around the next year and he he really struggled. And so, which guy is it? I, I just don't think we have the requisite you know noted consistency out of Alex Delkovic to to merit being the number one goalie heading into a season um, for, you know, a team with cup aspirations. And, and so that's why I've become more and more comfortable with it. I still hate the deal from a return standpoint, but I think if we all take a step back and kind of take a deep breath and realize as fans, especially hurricanes fans who have had, you know, been deprived of consistent hockey play or goalie play for many years, that we shouldn't just fully put all our eggs in the basket of like, quote unquote, the flavor of the month, you know, because we've seen Peter and he may be the guy, you know, we've seen Peter Mrazek be, oh my God, we love him. We've seen Curtis, we love him. Oh, Reimers winning all these games. Oh, Ned, like a lot of guys have had success here in the past couple of years winning games. I don't think we should be that concerned about losing a guy that's played a handful of NHL games. No, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's the end of the world. Honestly, we'll see. There's there are plenty of options. I mean, we've talked about Anderson, another guy we've been linked to in the past. It's a free agent, Anti Ranta. Like he's also in that early thirty range. I believe thirty two years old. Another guy that you know, another Finnish guy you could add to the roster. 
Those guys seem to do well here. They seem to do well here. I mean, Grubauer, after a fantastic last season, he's going to be expecting a big payday. Yeah, that, I one, don't, that one's probably going to be priced out, and I'm yeah. not sure I would deal that one. I mean, he's a guy that was kind of up and down in Washington and, you know, playing with what is the best roster in the league, maybe outside of Tampa Bay with the Avs, and they might even have the best roster in the league. Um I don't know. I, I just feel like someone's bound to overpay if they go too high above market on him. Yeah, I'm sure. I I would think the Canes probably aren't in on him. He's uh, definitely a notable free agent, somebody that's out there. I don't I don't foresee it happening, but you you never know. We could see a big splash. the The management has shown what a, a willingness is to spend around seven million a year on goalies sure, that seems on. to be the budget maybe maybe they push that to eight max if you're looking at that i think if a if a bernier deal is sorted out in the next couple of days um and you see him at one million 1.5 million or something something low like that then maybe you do go after a six and a half million dollar goalie i think Grubauer might be looking for more than that. We'll have to see. Um, you really have to start looking at trade partners outside of that. Um, I think this is where it gets interesting. I think yeah. this is kind of where yours perk up because, you know, not to sound redundant, but if it's not Anderson, I'm not sure any of those other guys make you feel great, you know, going into next year, like you have your one. So, Let's talk trade market. I mean, Ranta maybe, but let's talk trade market. And, and speaking of Auntie Ranta, his old uh, battery mate, what do you think about Darcy Kemper? I, I think we both love the player. We, we, I, I know we had talked outside of this that we were very in on them trading for him, as was the rumor uh, entering last season. The one concern, you know, he, he's put up Vesna quality numbers. He just can't stay on the ice, man. And, and yeah. I, I think Arizona's been rumored they're they're trying to shed money. So um I'm not sure his value is what it was. So you might get him on the cheap uh compared to what it would have been just a year ago. But but is he a guy that moves the needle for you? Like you mentioned, the injury part is a concern. With that being said, he's on the last year of his deal at four point five million. So the cap hit certainly matches the budget, right? for the hurricanes i think the skill set is awesome i think his style of play in front of our style of defense matches really well you know you if you ultimately with kemper if you force people to take shots outside they're just not going in i mean part of that product of is a product of his size and then obviously he's a talented goalie on top of that so He's a guy that I see as an option. I think you have to have a solid 1B if he's your guy because, like you said, you... Yeah, it's probably going to play some games, maybe more than you want him to. Yeah, so... And maybe... I don't know. We'll, we'll see. That's an option. He's a guy that I would be excited. It's a high-risk, high-reward opportunity. And, I mean, a high-reward could be a Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup, yeah. So, when you're looking at it in those terms, it's definitely something that they will circle back on. And when I say they, I mean Hurricanes management. I'm sure they'll have discussions and see what the price is for Arizona. So I already talk, talked about Marc-Andre Fleury. What about his uh, counterpart there in Vegas, Robin Leonard? Because it, it does seem like the Golden Knights are going to move one of those guys. 
I think it's likely that it's Flurry that they move. They made the long-term commitment to Laner. They seem to kind of prefer Laner. The front office it seems to, you know, they want to push him. You know, they switched it in the playoffs. It's almost like the only guy that doesn't want him gone is the owner. And that's kind of like he's the biggest voice in the room. So we'll see what actually happens. Uh, but just having the term on Leonard kind of makes it a no-brainer for me. If you're going to move one, uh, keep the guy that has you know multiple years left on his deal. Um, anyone else around the league where you can kind of – who's available? Uh, I know there's some RFAs. I don't think it's just Sturkin or um, the guy in uh, Washington. Starts with an S. Fill me in. Samsonov. Who are we talking about? Oh, Samsonov. Samsonov. Yeah. There we go, Samsonov. Um, I, I don't think either of those guys are, you know, signing. I don't think the Canes are RFAing anybody to begin no, with, but no, definitely, definitely not, not going to be allowed to happen with inside the Metro. Um, so I, I just don't know where they go from here. If it's not, you know, Phoenix, Vegas, unless you've got another name for me. I mean, names that are plausible. Yeah. On the trade market. I don't know of many that are on the trade market that really makes sense i'm not sure with the tragic passing of mattis kivalinkas and i'm sorry if i butcher his name um, but the latvian names they're not all archers urbe so that's a tough name to say um, with that passing though i think that changes their perspective on moving a goalie i mean they have mers lickens and they have corpus Allo both both on one year remaining on their contracts it's it's one of those situations where I'm not like super hot on either of them. I don't see them as like your win now yeah, goaltender. I, I, you're probably right, and you know, I, I laughed at your pronunciation, but that that's just a you know horrible situation what they're dealing with there in Columbus, and you know our hearts go out to those families, and you know it just kind of seems like a situation where from the outside, you don't really want to be sticking your toes in there, even from a hockey perspective. And, you know, they're kind of going through a rebuild. And I don't think either of those guys are, as you said, uh, viable for a win now team. Um, I don't think Bennington's going anywhere. They just extended him in St. Louis. Uh, nobody from Chicago. Soros is an RFA. They're definitely going to resign him after um, Rene retired, you know, do something crazy how much is florida willing to give up you know you know as far as retaining some cap on on bobrovsky you know yeah. I, I just don't think there's a ton of clarity but that really doesn't concern me when it comes to carolina because as good as the hockey insiders are they don't really ever seem to have a bead on this team like yeah we got rumors that there was you know a discourse between ned's camp and the team but no one predicted this, and they, they haven't been – they weren't in on the Trocheck chain. They weren't – take a deep breath. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, we may disagree with the methodology sometimes, but to this point at least, and I think it will eventually bite them if they continue to behave like this, but for now we have to continue to give Don Waddell in the front office uh, under Tom Dunn and the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I think – I think right now it seems are it seems like things are just a little out of the ordinary. They certainly are. I don't think that ordinary always wins. So we'll see. They may be on to something that just isn't apparent to us. Um, like you said, until it doesn't work, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like I, like I said, I have a lot of faith in our pro scouting department 
as well as the analytic department. And I think our management does a good job of blending those two ideas and really trying to make decisions that are best for the long-term health of the franchise while also achieving the goal of winning now. And I think that's something that you look at and you say, all right, I'm, I'm going to sit back and have you either prove me wrong or prove me right. Sure. And I don't think we need to go into another Dougie diatribe, but to me, this has not been a win now off season to this point, And they still have plenty of time to rectify that situation. I'm going to hold off judgment I'm not calling calamity if Dougie does end up signing somewhere else, but I think the reoccurring theme this entire offseason that you've heard from us is they got to do something. And I think the Ned stuff has been very much overblown because I think they'll replace him with a more established option. And for now, that's just kind of where we're at. I think this is a good jumping off point to to go into the expansion draft and, and talk about another player we lost and you know, we haven't gotten a lot of things wrong this offseason, believe it or not. Go back and listen to the episodes. But I don't think either of us predicted, I know I didn't, that Morgan Geeky would be the pick. I was very firmly in the Jake Bean camp. Um, I thought if Geeky or Lorenz was going to be the pick, uh, heck, even Nino was exposed, that we would have to give up an asset. And, and to kind of, uh, you know, traverse that situation with, with keeping... Bean and Nino it's one of our friends referred to it as Christmas and it it sure felt like that until the Ned trade today well when when you look at the expansion draft when we originally talked about it I thought that there was an opportunity that Fogel would be a guy that they would be interested in Um, when he was protected which kind of caught me off guard I know they kind of played their cards and were hoping that the Nino cap hit would kind of deter Seattle from selecting him. I think it clearly did. Um, I think Nino could have easily helped that team in the now. And I don't think the price tag is overly ridiculous. Um, when Fogel was, was protected, I, I looked at it and I said, I mean, there's no way it's not Jake being right. Because it was in my book, Ron Francis draft pick, and it was Jake Bean or Warren Fogle in my book were the two, if those were the two that were left unprotected. So the geeky pick caught me off guard. Do I think it's a good pick for Seattle? Sure. I think he's he's a guy that can go and do more than he does here. He's going to get an opportunity, I think, probably play a little bit more third line minutes than he would in Carolina. So it'll be good for him. And I think it's obviously good for the organization. You know, I, I think around the league, um, people may be a little underwhelmed by uh, Seattle's haul and the expansion draft. What's the hardest thing for them to get, though? It's centers. So yeah. to get a young guy that's flashed in, in a limited sample size in the league, can be your third, fourth center, can play on the wing, um, can play a 200-foot game. You know, it's just a question just if you have the foot speed. I get it from their perspective because their blue line's actually pretty loaded. And so I, I really just thought Bean would be the pick. You know, he's a Ron Francis draft pick. I think he was as well. But um, to, to just get a guy with that much potential upside as a first round, former first rounder um, was a surprising pass. And even to pass on Nino Niederreiter as a guy that 
They probably could have brought in if the team's competitive, you know, get them for a playoff run, good juju there, and maybe you resign them after the year. If not, you flip them at the deadline and you probably get more assets. I, I think where I'm confused uh, with Seattle's haul is, and maybe teams learn, you know, they there weren't side deals available. I've heard that maybe the asking price from Seattle was just way too high. I'm just not sure what the way forward is for this team. They're, they're one major asset now is they have a ton of cap space, yeah. which can be weaponized, especially in the flat cap era. But they don't seem like the front office that's going to, you know, at least to this point, we saw it a little bit in Carolina when Ron Francis was here, but I'm not sure they're going to weaponize that cap space and take a bunch of bad contracts just to get assets. It, I am very curious how they, you know, traverse into free agency because yeah. there's a lot of, you know, fairly big name guys available but how much do they want to tie up their cap? And that I mean, the Pacific is bad. They they could theoretically be the second or third best team this year. I don't know. It, it, it's just an interesting team building philosophy, way different than Vegas, especially when you consider there's a lot more big names available this yeah. time through. I think that they sat back and said, "We're not gonna take it. We're not gonna do you a favor." taking on these contracts you're gonna have to get somebody to take on these contracts anyways a lot of the like why why would you go out and like not to say but why would you take Tarasenko when he doesn't want to be there anyways like his value isn't gonna go up the longer he stays on the trade block right I mean that that's gonna get that price is gonna get cheaper and cheaper unless unless he decides he's gonna play in like in St. Louis and comes out and is on a tear but I mean, so you're talking about taking on assets that are going to depreciate over time, right? Like, so I I think they, like you said, are planning to weaponize cap space, whether that is making a huge splash and doing the unthinkable and going after an RFA, which would be out of character for Ron Francis. But I would, I mean, never say never with the people that are available for that. We don't think it'll happen, but uh, maybe he sticks one to Tom Dundon and offers Andre Svechikov a just massive deal. No, I I think we both agree Elias Pettersson would be the person to target. And really, let's throw some fuel on that uh, regional rivalry, get things going there with Vancouver. And uh, wow, what a way to start your hockey franchise if that was your move. I mean, with the cap space they have, they could legitimately throw McDavid money at Pedersen and you've you've either a got Pedersen and can afford him or B you just forced (laughs) you just forced your rival to probably take to take two or three million over what they wanted to take so I I mean with Quinn Hughes to sign too I mean it it, it, it's a really could be a masterstroke type of move um it would be entertaining for all of us I'm here for it just just stay away from extremely unlikely yeah just stay away I don't think I no, I, yeah. I think the only thing that, from our perspective and, and here in Raleigh, that Seattle could affect us at this point, and I think they could be major players with Dougie. Obviously, the sides communicated um, prior to Wednesday's expansion draft and didn't come to terms. That doesn't shut the door. I mean, they did the same thing with Landeskog and other free agents. Um, I think, you know, after listening to the PDO cast today with Dmitry Filipovich, really got me th- I mean that he Dougie is the perfect fit for that team and how they are built currently it just needs a you know high volume offensive driving 
uh, right shot D man that is really going to play well with their forwards who, although aren't the most skilled, are guys that live out in front of the net are going to play that grinder style and really live off the rebounds he creates. Yeah, and I, if, if you're Ron Francis, you could be talking to Dougie's camp. You could give him your offer. They say, no, this is what we're looking for. And you say, let me circle back to you at the beginning of free agency. Let me think about the it. Old let, me go, let me go get Morgan Geeky, not take a defenseman. I mean, maybe, you know. Let's go get a, a young center that's going to plug into our bottom six right away. And then let's circle back and get Dougie as well. It is it is not impossible. No, I, I actually kind of think it makes a ton of sense. It does make a ton of sense. And I think we'll that's see. a market. Dougie would whether, do fine Whether, whether Dougie realizes this or not, and this is just an outsider perspective. Obviously, we don't, we don't know him uh, as a man or, you know, we've just watched him play hockey and hear what people say about him. There are certain markets that you just it's perceived he would struggle in, you know, heard Philly was very interested. I, I don't think he would do well there. You know, he, he struggled in Boston. I think all the Canadian media markets are, are just pretty overbearing. This is a guy that seems like a genuine human, great guy, but just kind of wants to go play hockey and then be able to, you know, lay low. And yeah. you can't do that in the Northeast. You can't do that in Canada. I think he could go to Seattle, very accepting environment and just thrive just how he does here in Carolina. And I, to me, I think that'd be a phenomenal fit. And if he does leave the hurricanes that that's where I hope he ends up. Yeah. Well, first of all, I would, it's not much, the Metro. We don't play West, him that often. Put him yeah. on the West coast and I, and that'll ease the pain a little bit. Right. That's I'm just saying as a Dougie, you know, fan, yeah, like, absolutely. No, I, I, I'm a hundred percent behind everything you said. I think that that is a place that makes sense for him. I look at the teams out there and, I like I really don't see many fits like Carolina for him. So we'll yeah, see is, what the money gonna, looks like. So the <laughs> Carolina is just such a tough team to project for uh, because their negotiations stay relatively quiet. You know, we, we've heard things from they'll do high AAV, but for a short term, you know, now the most recent one is they don't want to go above seven at all. I'm not sure anybody really knows. And yeah, to me, sure not. I think they have their number and that number is probably seven or seven and a half that they don't want to go over at all. And it's just going to come down to does Dougie Hamilton realize this is the place he wants to be. And he's probably turning down, you know, a million plus annually to stay here. Yeah. And, I don't think it's right for us to criticize or project um, what he should do. And that's his decision, his prerogative, and he has every right to do so because he's earned this, you know, and been a great player in the league. So, excuse me. And I, I know we, I'm of the belief that we want to keep him. I'm just ready for this saga to begin playing out. And, um, hey, we'll get some clarity on that. And I think it'll kind of drive where we're going the rest of the offseason. But, yeah, losing Morgan Geeky was not the player we expected Wish him all the best. Him and his, what, Pizza Hut? Can't yeah, pizza cut. Yeah. He's got like a gold card or something. Oh, uh, yeah. Good for him. He'll take that to the West Coast. I'm sure his teammates will love it. Um, but before we wrap up tonight, I, I think we really, since we're picking, you know, in the late 20s, it's kind of hard to project who's going to be there. So we're not going to be like, oh, Carolina's going to draft this guy, this guy, this guy. It, that's impossible. You know, there, there could be a player unexpectedly fall, especially this year where scouting was so different in a draft class that is not deemed you know, as high caliber as the 
ones that we project to have in 2022 and 2023. So I, I think, Mike, you're our prospect guy. You know, give me give me like your top ten and maybe just some guys to to keep an eye on that may end up in Raleigh and. Um, yeah, just brief overview. I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on it just because it's so unpredictable. Well, really quick, I'll circle back to the previous topic before I hop into that. Cool. Uh, just really fast, like I think it is very, very early in this offseason. I think there is going to be a ton of moves that the Hurricanes are going to make. I don't think it's near time to panic. I think first and foremost, get this fetch deal done. After that, I mean, it might take a while because they're going to negotiate hard. They're going to, they want eight. And obviously, his camp's going to want less. So it's going to be a negotiation. It might be a little while until we get a result on that. But there is going to be a lot of movement. We've already found out today that there's going to be a new number one goalie in Carolina next year. It is highly likely that there is going to be a new defenseman in Carolina. Maybe Dougie returns. That's the biggest storyline of the offseason yeah, I mean, if it happens. If, even if Dougie stays, like they either got to re-sign Hockenpah or bring in someone else. So, I mean, yeah. there's going to be a change on the blue line. Um, obviously, you got to fill... You don't have to fill Geeky's spot, but you got to fill Martinook's. What's going to happen with McGinn? You know, there, there's a lot of fluctuation going on. They're, they're not done. They yeah, are not near of, done. Yeah. And I think after today, the approach I'm starting to take is step back, don't overreact. No. Wait until you see the full picture in October, and then we'll make some judgments. And you know, we'll get into that. We'll predict how we think the team's going to play. But um, unfortunately, and we hate to be redundant on it, but like it, it, a lot stems to what happens with Dougie because that's the big market deal. And if he signs, well, that limits what you can do. If he doesn't resign, you got a lot of work to do, but that gives you a lot of money to play with too. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it, it's just going to be interesting and. Deep breath. I'm yeah. not, not freaking out of, yet. We got It'll a be, lot of prospects coming of age. If like, nothing else, a lot hashtag on. content for us, right? Yeah. We'll talk about prospects in the future of our, our current prospect pool and guys that we could see making the jump. But I'll quickly jump into the 2021 draft board. We're not going to really dig in too deep on guys the Canes are going to select because it's just all hypothetical and there's tons of people out there that you can go follow that that do that exclusively. Um, one of the first ones that comes to mind is Corey Pronman at the athletic. If you're a fan of prospects, I would definitely go check him out and his work. Um, and through his work, you'll get linked to plenty other people. Um, when I look at this draft board, there's a clear top three. I think the order that it'll probably go is going to be Owen Power, the defenseman from Michigan. I, I think he's likely your number one overall pick. I think the only concern there is he's rumored to probably go back to school for one yeah. more year. He should go back to school for one more year. Mich I Michigan, I mean, good Lord. You know, three guys is projected in the top ten. Like, yeah. quick aside, not to cut you off, but no, yeah. that's wild. And they, I know they made the tournament. Didn't they get COVID eliminated? Like, I'm so, not sure. Something like that happened, yeah. but... Not bad to have the guy that's probably going number one overall coming back to you for another year. Yeah, and then the number two guy that could go number one as well is going to be Matt Beneers also out of Michigan. Uh, Big Ten guy. He is a two-way center, right? He's not wowing you on offense, but his compete he's a rod brand honestly he's got a lot of like rod brenda more qualities to him doesn't doesn't he project to be more of a true two with great two-way 
capability. Yeah, could, you know, he's he not a high end one, out as a but one. He could he could be your your top line center. It's I think it's when you project where guys are going to play when they're 17, 18 years old, it's we'll just have to see how he develops. Some guys jump into the league and just have it take yeah. the bull by the horns. Like if you're going to bet on a guy to come in and solidify himself, I think he's your biggest lock for like you're you're guaranteed a top so six solid. guy. And yeah, him. he's he's got he might not have the highest ceiling of the three guys we're going to talk about in the top three. But he certainly has, in my opinion, the lowest floor. Um, so or highest floor. Highest floor, excuse me. Yeah, highest floor, but maybe, maybe the lowest team. But sure. I, he, yeah, I mean, this kind of guy, lunch pail. If you want to bet yeah. on him, and it, it's never a bad pick. We touched on Seattle needing centers. I, I think he's a really good fit there. And also, I mean, you made a great observation. I'm just kind of ex- extrapolate a little bit. It's really dangerous to play the game that this guy's a, a two C well, what's a two C in Seattle is not a two C in Tampa, hey, yeah, you know? So like, sure. Hey, let's, let's not inundate ourselves with, you know, where the guy's going to slot in at 18 years old. And like, let's just project what kind of player we think he can be. He's going to be a difference maker. I think that's the best way to look at it. Um, the third guy, Your I boy. have him as my, my favorite prospect of all. If I was drafting number one, I would take him. I'm a big fan of higher risk higher reward i think especially when you're drafting even even at number one you want to take the guy that has the potential to be a game changer and for me that's william Eklund. the dude first of all is a phenomenal skater very creative very skilled winger i think his ceiling is very high i think he has i think he has game breaking potential as a first line winger if he, he's a guy that you plug in on your power play he's a guy you plug in on your top line and he consistently goes out and out of those three guys has the biggest opportunity to be a game breaker he's likely going to be taken third with that being said i'm very high on him i think he's my favorite prospect who's the other winger is it gunther the one that Gunther, Anaheim's yeah. rumored to be really in on, but there's also lots of smoke that Anaheim's probably going to deal that pick. Who knows if that comes to fruition, but yeah, keep hopping down your, your list here. Yeah. So then for me, from here on out, it's pretty wide open for the top. Like, so you eight. view it as three guys and yeah. then, and then next it's year. like, it's kind of four through seven, four through eight. Okay. You want to just and read maybe, those names? Honestly, it may be even be four and then five through eight because four, I think, is not quite in that top. He's kind of in his own tier. He's, he's, who, who are we talking about? So that's going to be Brant Clark. Okay. Where's he out of? He's in the OHL. He is. He's just a solid defenseman. I think on, I would not be surprised if he turned out to be the better of the two defensemen between himself and Owen Power. With that being said, I think you look at Owen Power and I think one big draw is the size, right? Yeah, he's ever I mean, been a six six, right? Good skater. Yeah, Brant Clark, he's like for me, he's a guy that I see as just having a, a super solid all around game. And I would not be surprised if he pans out to be the better of the of the two defensemen. The next guy on that list for me, which is like the beginning of the next tier. It's like a toss-up between who you previously mentioned, Dylan Gunther, 
right wing out of the WHO. That guy is very similar to Eklund in the terms of creativity and game changing ability. It is, and you you would know better than me. Is looks on just number more maybe a finisher than Eklund, but less creative. Or I got him flipped. No, I think they're I think they're both in that just same super similar category. Games. Yeah, you just I think, think Eklund has a little higher ceiling. Yeah, I think I think they're very similar. With uh, Gunther, you get a right shot. Um, and honestly, both of those guys, like, you could see Gunther jump the board, to be totally honest with you. He could be one of those guys that moves up from top 10 into the top five really fast or top three, potentially, depending on how teams have evaluated. Yeah, Anaheim's in on him. That's, that's, uh, there's a lot of smoke there. So we'll see. Um, it's going to really be interesting to see how – each scouting department has gone out and scouted because you look at these lists and you're like, there could be outside of the top three. Cause I really do think the top three is locked in like anything. I really think sure. anything could happen there. Um, the next guy that's kind of in that same category is defenseman out of Sweden, Simon Edvinson. A lot of people like this guy. Yeah. A lot of people like this. Very guy. physically gifted same guy play driver solid two-way defenseman um a lot of people are like you said are high on him yeah i I don't think no one's saying draft him over power but i think what you are seeing is like when you talk ceiling this is another guy that as you mentioned with your fourth player that another defenseman that maybe has a higher ceiling and, and you could see outplaying even the number one overall pick yes i see evanson almost from what I've watched of him, when I watch him, I almost see like a little bit of Victor Hedman in really? terms of the way that he he moves on the ice and his playing style. It's just like I don't like comp, like making yeah. comparisons, um, but when I when I see him, he does kind of resemble Hedman to me when I when I watch him play. Um, another super awesome player that. Could be really good. This could look like a, a bad crop. It can, could turn out to be a really good crop, depending on how these guys, you know, end up end up uh, growing in the next couple of years. The next guy on my list, which is a guy that could move up just out of sheer name, is Luke Hughes, brother of Quinn Hughes and Jack Hughes, um, defenseman with the U.S. national team program. That Hughes name is pretty popular in the NHL well, these days. It's popular, and he also happens to be six foot two and skate oh. just like his brother. So, so uh, a little bigger, a little bit bigger, and has the same ability to skate. He's going to have to grow into his defensive game. He joked that he's like when asked how he's better than Quinn or whatnot. He said he could actually kill penalties was his <laughs> joke that he made. Well, I mean, speaking of the Hughes brothers, and I love that, but speaking of the Hughes brothers, um, well, both of their teams are picking the top 10. So does New Jersey pass on him at four? Does that something they want to re- reunite him? Um, you know, no, I, I would be shocked if Vancouver passed on him if he fell all the way to nine, I believe. I can't remember where Vancouver's picking off the top of my head. I think it's nine, eight or nine. have to Google it. Um, it's in the top 10, but yeah, if Luke falls to that point, I would have a hard time believing they wouldn't unite the brothers and that'd be pretty cool. Um, who's your next player next on the list? Is this nine for you? So now we're at eight, eight. Okay. So this is like the end of the next tier for me. And I, so I could see this guy going all the way up to five 
as well. Um, Mason McTavish, the center of the OHL. Right. Yep. I like I like his game a lot. He's not one of the guys that I've gotten to watch as much as I would like, um, but he's someone that I've read up on, and a lot of people are super high on his game, and they group him in to that talent group. Um, I'll have to I'll have to see his game more to have more of my own opinion. That's why I put him at eight instead of higher up the list. The next guy on that list, which honestly I'm like I'm a I'm a big goalie prospect fan, and oh yeah, I'm a big goalie prospect fan. Which one of the two do you have higher? So I have Wallstedt. Okay, from Sweden. He I I like that guy. I mean, he's a gamer. He's a winner. The skill set. I mean, I think the guy has real number one potential, um, like long term potential. I know goalies are taboo, but at least the guys that have recently been taken in the first have all hit you know wouldn't you have loved to have spencer knight a couple years ago i mean good lord we wouldn't be talking about this ned dilemma we'd have a one and a one with a much higher upside hey i'm not sure florida you know they have bobrowski they're not just gonna put all their eggs into that basket but to have a player with that pedigree i mean we've just never seen something like that here yeah yeah but Mm. i I would have uh your guy first too yeah so the other guy is cost i don't have him in the top 10 but a lot of people have him higher than Wallstead. I think it's a toss-up. My personal preference is Wallstead. And there's a lot of people that don't think e- one of them will not make it past Ottawa at ten. So yeah. we'll we'll see how that plays out. Um, you know, we missed out on our goalie last year when Nashville sniped him. Yeah, Askarov. Uh, so they're in I, the same cat. Both goalies, in my opinion, are in the same category as Askarov. Okay, and and we would have been thrilled to have him but absolutely um i think we're pretty pleased with seth jarvis too oh absolutely yeah we can figure out the goalie having a guy like that that you could potentially have on an elc contributing substantial points that's those are things that help you win stanley absolutely especially as you you know if you're a team that's not trying to save money well you got to save it somewhere so it's guys have to go those guys on the elcs who's who rounds out your top 10 so the last guy on my top 10 is the last our last Michigan boy for the top 10, Ken Johnson, center. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I haven't watched much Does of... Does he skate enough? Everyone so, talks about the shot. Yeah, I haven't... Does he skate enough? I haven't watched a bunch of Michigan games. I haven't been as you, big you in on... You don't spend your, uh, not, your Saturday nights watching been, Big Blue Hockey? I have been digging in on Big Blue Hockey, no. Especially growing up... a. A Penn State fan, but we'll just we'll just leave that there. He's a num- another guy that scouts are super high on. It's tough. I haven't seen. I've I've for him. I've more watched highlights. I haven't been able to like sit down and watch actual yeah, games. He's for him. the type of player that looks great in highlights, but like, how does it look over sixty minutes? That's kind of my where, thing. That's why I defer to the like the scouting report on mm-hmm. him and. They they see him as a legitimate top ten guy right now. Uh, could fall could fall into the fifteens, sixteen range, the teens I should say. But we'll see. This the is 15, the fifteen sixteens. <laughs> you know the teens. We all, we don't count good here on the podcast. It's been a long day. You know I had to get well, up and take we, a, a bunch two, of people. Two, to the two more things now. I want to to touch on. Um, one. What what happened to Rattay? What happened? And I'm so, probably not pronouncing that right. It's Finnish, right? But 
Yeah. What happened? He was like the consensus one one coming in this class and just really struggled. Yeah, he he really struggled. He um, almost would have benefited from not playing. Yeah, honestly, if that was a guy that got injured instead of played, his draft stock would probably be higher. It's interesting. Um, he's a guy that at the end of the day could end up being a really great hockey player. But he's like one of the guys that makes me a super cur- like curious because when you look at the development cycle of players and stuff like that, and you see this guy that just looks like he's going to be a stud original, like years for years was consensus top of the class. And then to just really drop off the question is, did he peak early? Did he just have a bad year? Yeah, Was year? he just more physical than everyone else? And yeah. everyone caught up in their development. It's a scary thing. I think it's something worthwhile if he falls all the way to, you know, our I late mean, 20 pick, probably not going to happen, yeah. but um, just a name worthy of bringing up because he was the guy yeah. uh, entering this year. Last thing before we hop off, late breaking news, Kane's schedule release, yeah. um, opening night versus the Islanders. What is it? It's a Thursday, it's October the 14th. 14th. Yes, October 14th. Um, we're excited. Uh, it's actually a really good schedule on paper. Uh, we'll get to see Seattle for the first time in Seattle, uh, November 24th. They will make their first visit to PNC arena March 6th. I I know we're all excited for that. It's always cool to see the new teams come in. I, we were very hyped for Vegas. Um, we've talked doing a trip out there for the first game. I know you did that, uh, when Caroline went out to Vegas the first time, hopefully this recent, you know, COVID bump, but the Delta variant doesn't, you know, dispel our, our plans of doing something like that or, you know, keeping fans out of the arena. Definitely not going to end on that sour note. So what we are going to talk about is bright spot. I think there's 16 Friday, Saturday night games. Awesome. That number jumps to 29. If you include Thursdays, there's 13 Thursday night games. Um, going to be tons of great opportunities to get out to PNC arena and support the team. Uh, as they, you know, embark on their quest to kind of get over the hump and, and prove they are Stanley Cup contenders. But yeah, we were thrilled with that. Um, yeah, anything you want to add? Yeah, um, super excited. Hopefully, we can make the Seattle trip happen. Uh, that would be something awesome to be able to share as well with everybody that that listens in. The podcast um, hits the road. The podcast hits the road live from Seattle. From the Space Needle, you know, we'll just we'll just climb <laughs> the Space up. Needle. We'll we'll take an album cover photo like oh Drake's album, <laughs> you know. Wasn't that Toronto? Yeah, I know, but it looks like the Space uh, Needle. It, it, you know, we could no, pass yeah. it off. We're, well, ours will be the Space Needle. Yeah, um, which is even cooler. But that's just another. You know, a lot of fun tonight. Obviously, we covered a lot of ground. Ned trade uh, expansion draft previewed yeah. the upcoming entry draft tomorrow evening. Uh, as always, thank you for joining us. Give us your feedback across platforms. Mike, tell them where they can find us. Yep. Come back in for the uh, next podcast where we go over the draft and uh, and cover whatever crazy things Don Wildale does between now and then. Might have some turtleneck time. We'll have to see. You can follow us on Instagram at The Rod The Podcast and on Twitter at The Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, follow, like, and rate the podcast on whatever platform you are listening on. We are on, but not limited to, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and YouTube. 
As always, thanks for listening and don't hesitate to reach out on any platform.